Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. He hosts a show on WFNZ in Charlotte, as well as Sirius XM College Radio. He's the founder of College Football Country and our good friend Josh Parcell. Josh, hello. How are you and yours? Everybody doing all right? Yeah, all things considered. We are doing okay. How about you guys? Yeah. Yeah, we're trying to stay uh, stay careful. One foot and, uh, in front of the other. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, Josh, let's talk college football. We also have some NBA stuff we want to get to uh, with you as well. But how confident are you that college football is going to be 100% normal or close to it, if you're confident at all? Well, 100% normal, meaning that the stands are packed this fall, the tailgate lots are full, and uh, everything is business as usual, I'm not confident at all. I don't, I don't think we will see that. Uh, I think at this point it's clear that the, whatever form of the college football season takes, it will look different than what we're used to. But I think that at this point it certainly feels like, barring a major setback, we are going to have football on schedule, which is a good thing. I know that Notre Dame and Navy have moved their game from Dublin to Annapolis, but other than that, we haven't really seen much change uh, as far as the college football schedule. So that's exciting for college football fans. Um, I think there's a ton of logistical hurdles that the athletic departments have to try to climb in the next couple of weeks and months to figure out how many fans they can bring into the stadium, if, in, if at all. Right. I mean, if you have students on campus, you would assume the students can show up. Um, is the marching band there? Uh, if that if they're there, if the family of the players, if the staff, they're they're in attendance. How many more fans can you bring in? That number starts to to dwindle pretty quickly when you start to think about all the other uh, people I just mentioned. So I think that there'll be smaller crowds, um, at least in the beginning. Um, I, I don't know what it'll look like by the end of the season. Um, I think it would be foolish of anyone to say that they knew for sure how this is going to end up. But I, I applaud these schools for following the guidance of, of medical experts and taking the precautionary steps in bringing players back safely. And it feels like we're going to, again, barring something changing uh, you know, with, with the, the greater state of our country, it feels like we're going to have college football in the fall. Yeah, I wonder about that second wave of the virus that may be hitting. But you think, uh, barring that, you think that the schedule, at least, will will, uh, be uh, according to plan? It feels like it. Uh, I mean, there are people a lot smarter than me who are making those decisions, and I, I basically can just read as much as I possibly can and, and hope that uh, hope that those guys are right. But it, it does feel that way. Uh, I think a lot of administrators have been pretty clear that, that they're going to play. You know, there's a lot of political pressure, too. I mean, you guys have, have seen it up close in the Pac-12 where, you know, Gavin Newsom, the, the governor of California, changes his stance pretty quickly from being uh, one that says we may not play or have sporting events at all this year to, well, yeah, no, we're going to allow our Pac-12 schools to play. We're going to allow college athletics. So, you know, you just see uh, maybe some political pressure playing a, a bit of a role here in, in opening up the entire country of college football. But it, it does feel like we're going to have games starting in September. Um, I mean, a lot of schools are already welcoming their kids back. Um, if not now, in the next week or two, uh, at the latest, July 1st. So if the kids are coming back, uh, it does seem like we'll have a season. I mean, maybe there will be players who, who end up 
deciding not to play, who sit out or who, who test positive and have to sit out. That could happen in any of the sports that are resuming. But uh, the games will still, it feels like, again, at this point, uh, like we're heading towards them being on as usual. Josh Parcell with us at 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And uh, there's a lot of momentum to make it happen because the money is so important. Uh, football yeah. uh, programs are so important to these athletic budgets. Uh, have you pondered the consequences if college football were not to be played at all for some schools? Oh, it would be dramatic, guys. Uh, I mean, that's been well documented at this point. I mean, the, the money that these football programs generate for not only their athletic department, but for their university and the role that they play in enrollment. And um, that they're just a vital part. They're the lifeblood of a lot of major schools, particularly Power 5 schools. And if that money just disappears into the night, you're talking about major ramifications, which we've already seen. We've seen schools cutting sports, cutting non-revenue sports, varsity sports, and, and scholarship athletes. Uh, suddenly without a sport to play. Now, as far as I know, those the players that are playing now, will, they'll still have their scholarships honored, but they came to college to play at that school, and now it's been taken away. So football supports that. Uh, I know ESPN ran a story a couple of weeks ago that reported that it could be up to a $4 billion loss if college football isn't played this fall. I mean, there's just a ton of money in the television revenue and obviously the game day revenue from, from tickets and booths and uh, or suites, I should say, and obviously alumni donations to the school. But you, you run the risk of losing a lot of that. It, it could have long-standing catastrophic ramifications for college football, and, and it could change the very foundation of college athletics if it were to happen. You know, Josh, you brought up something there that I, I hadn't really given that much thought to, and that is the possibility that certain players – will not want to play that uh yeah. maybe maybe some students won't want to go back to campus i wonder i wonder if that will be uh, a very very tiny kind of uh, uh group of players or whether that's something that could and how if you're a head coach how do you handle that well i would hope that the, the coaches put the players health first um you know i mean I, I i don't know any specific cases now i know they exist where there are players around the country who have pre-existing conditions now look the, the numbers have told us that 18 to 22 year old kids are among the least susceptible people to this virus assuming that they don't have pre-existing conditions but what if a player is a diabetic? What if a player is a cancer survivor? What if a player is an asthmatic? I mean, you could go through a ton of lists. I mean, I could go through all, all sorts of stuff. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know all the different types of underlying conditions that exist. But if a player has an underlying condition or if a player has a family member who has an underlying condition and they don't yeah. feel comfortable playing, that's, that's within their right. And, you know, imagine for a minute, just, I mean, just hypothetically, what if Trevor Lawrence didn't want to play? I mean, does, does Davo Swinney honor that? Does Davo Swinney try to change his mind? I mean, that, that becomes a very difficult decision. Real quick, for a lot of coaches, I don't know. It, it, we haven't heard stories yet of players speaking up, uh, mentioning that as a possibility. But I have to imagine that, 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 that conversation has been had in some households where those underlying conditions exist. Uh, we just haven't heard about it publicly yet where it's become a big story. But if a, if a prominent player decided they didn't want to play and put their, their family or friends or, or themselves at risk, um, uh, the coaches, they better allow them to do that, and, and even if it comes at the expense of winning football games. 
Josh Parcell is with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Josh, switching gears to the NBA for a second. You're uh, based there in Charlotte. The Hornets were not included in the 22 teams to finish the NBA season. How do the fans and franchise feel about that? You know, well, Michael Jordan uh, reportedly spoke up at the Board of Governors meeting last Friday and basically said that he didn't want the Hornets to come back and play if the games were going to be meaningless, that he, he, he didn't want to put his players at risk of getting injured, um, you know, for games that weren't going to matter. So uh, I think the general reaction has been pretty accepting of, of the decision, understanding of the decision. I think the the, the perfect I, just way for this season to end for, for the Hornets is the fact that there's 22 teams that get in and the Hornets were 23rd. I mean, that just sums up Charlotte so much. <laughs> the Hornets' entire franchise go back to 2012, they had the worst regular season in NBA history. They won seven games. Anthony Davis was the number one pick, and they lose the lottery, and they end up with Michael Kidd-Gilchrist instead. And Anthony Davis goes to the New Orleans Hornets, who took the team out of Charlotte years before. Like, it just, that just sums up Charlotte uh, Hornets basketball so perfectly that they're the last team on the outside looking in. But uh, it was a good year for the Hornets. Uh, I don't know how many people out on the West Coast paid attention, but uh, Charlotte really surprised a lot of people with how well some of their young guys played. And they've got the core of something that can be very good, um, very similar to, I think, the way the Jazz b- built their team with, with talented young players. Obviously, they landed a transformational guy in Donovan Mitchell and Gobert. But uh, if you can build through the draft, uh, you can you can win and compete in a small market. The Hornets definitely I found a couple guys with Devontae Graham and Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington that can be building blocks moving forward. Josh, what did you think of the NBA's plan as a whole? Oh, man, I, I think that we have to not allow perfect to become the enemy of good. Mm. And I don't think that a 22-team, eight-game regular season with this convoluted play-in format is perfect. But I don't know that there was a perfect solution. I didn't think that it would, would have been smart to bring all 30 teams back. Um, you would have been putting uh, hundreds of people at further risk of spreading the virus um, for basically unnecessary games. Uh, I mean, there, there are eight teams or more that just are completely out of the playoff chase, so I don't really think that that would have made sense. I know that there was money to, to be made by playing those games and fulfilling the television contract, but um, I think over, overall – I, I think it's going to be a fun resumption to the season, and I'm glad that we're giving the players a, a, a great runway leading up to that to hopefully get back into shape um, so that we don't see you know Giannis Adenokupo go down with an injury in the first round because he's out of shape. I think that's important. I'm just excited that we're going to get basketball back. Uh, it would have been nice to have it back a little bit more quickly, but I really honestly I don't have a problem with being a little bit over, overly cautious um, as opposed to rushing back. Uh, for any of these sports. So ultimately, I really think Adam Silver and the NBA have done a pretty good job. Talking about Michael Jordan for a second, Josh. Josh Parcell is with us from 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I think we all, to a certain extent, enjoyed the uh, propaganda piece, The Last Dance. Uh, <laughs> I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. But, but one theme in that, of course, was Michael Jordan's win-at-all-costs attitude and how competitive uh, he is and was. Why do you think that hasn't translated into Michael Jordan being a very good owner? Because it seems like he's been satisfied with uh, a mediocrity or satisfied with losing where he was not as a player. Well, man, all right. So I'll answer that in a second. Uh, first of all, real quickly on that, that mindset, 
I find it very fascinating how we revere Michael Jordan's mindset, and I and I revere it too, by the way. And we think of that as the 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 model of leadership. Yet a guy like Tim Duncan wins five championships, wins fifty games every year for twenty seasons, and couldn't be more different than Tim Dun- or couldn't be more different than Michael Jordan on the outside, yet is equally as competitive and driven on the inside. And it's just funny how we, we view one as great leadership and not the other necessarily. We don't think of the other as great leadership at least. But as far as ownership in the NBA, um, I think that his, his, it's, it, his unwillingness to lose has actually – it has facilitated more losing in the NBA for, for, as an owner for Michael Jordan because sometimes in the NBA you have to get worse in order to get better. And what Michael has been afraid of for so long is taking the projects, taking the one-and-dones, taking the young guys who may need a little bit more time to become great players, but ultimately over time have a higher ceiling. He's taken a lot of Frank Kaminsky's, Cody Zeller's, like those types of guys that were great accomplished players in college but don't have the, the upside of, a Donovan Mitchell or Bradley Beal or whoever else that they've missed out on over the last few seasons. And I think now they've, Michael for the first time has realized they've got to just go young. They've got to lose a lot of games for probably a couple of years, get more draft picks, um, get good talented young players, hope that you draft well and rebuild slowly. He's tried to plug holes, I think in the past and it just hasn't really worked. And it led to Kimball Walker walking out the door a couple of years ago, uh, well, last summer, um, because they, the Hornets just had no way to, to compete around Kemba. So I think he's learned his lesson from that, and it's changed, I think, really the overall philosophy and direction of the Hornets. Josh, uh, of late, over the past couple of weeks, uh, racism and its ugliness has been a big topic that has uh, crossed uh, into sports and all over the uh, country and maybe all over the world. How is uh, how has what's been going on been received and reacted to in North Carolina? Well, I mean, I'm, I live about a mile and a half from where we've had seven straight night of uh, protests at this point, um, and I it, it's definitely been a, as you said, a very sensitive issue here in Charlotte. I mean, we had uh, protests several years ago when there was a, a police killing right here in in town. Um, so we've dealt with this over the last few years, as have many communities, unfortunately all over the country. Um, so it's, it's a difficult subject, and it's one that, honestly, I wish we, weren't, we didn't have to have right now. But I think the most important thing that we can do now, because, I mean, I've had to do a show, you guys have had to do a show, and um, I, I feel as a white guy, I've had to say this this week, I'm a talker, but this week I need to be a listener. And my role as someone who has not experienced a lot of what the African-American community has experienced my role is to listen to them and try to find common ground and try to find a way where I can understand their life experiences. And if I can do that, maybe I can help facilitate change. Um, but me telling you my opinion, my thoughts on what's happening in the world is not going to be authentic to the pe- or for, for the people who are actually experiencing these, uh, these plights right now. So I think it's important to listen and have uncomfortable conversations, as difficult as that might be. And also be willing to understand that everybody isn't perfect. We all don't agree. But hopefully over time, we can find common ground. We don't have to agree, but we can at least respect one another's opinions and, and hope to find uh, that, that common ground that can help us move forward. That includes people like Drew Brees. That includes people 
um, all over the, the map, sports or otherwise, who definitely have shown us that we have room to grow as people. Hopefully we can do that. Well, Josh, we certainly appreciate those words and, of course, the insight into college football and the NBA. Thanks for jumping on with us today as usual. You bet. Always great to talk with you guys. Take care. Yeah, you too, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Josh Parcell uh, from WFNZ there in Charlotte and SiriusXM College Football Radio, the college football country. Josh has uh, a lot of outlets. And, Gordon, can I get selfish here for a second just because we were talking about North Carolina? Of, sure. of course, you know, uh, we get the news today. The NBA is starting up uh, July 31st. I, I, I host the pre-half and post game for the Utah Jazz broadcasts. And, of course, we have a, 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 a North Carolina vacation scheduled for the second week in August. It's not looking so good. Yeah. How are yeah, we that, supposed that's... to plan that? Yeah. Again, I wish yeah. I had that uh, crystal ball uh, predicting the pandemic thing you were talking about the other day. When do you think you'll feel comfortable flying again, Jake? Uh, I don't know. People are doing it now. I've I've followed that story a little bit, uh, uh, what the airlines are, are doing uh, to make people feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, I'm not sure. I think that uh, that varies from person to person. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder. We talked the other day, the good news, that it looked like the vaccines were con- were continuing on with uh, making progress through various, through various uh, you know, um, what do you call them, phases of testing. And uh, they're, they're, they're making headway there, it seems like. And I, I will welcome the day that that is available to every American and everyone around the world, really. That will be a good day, in my opinion. Locke, uh, when he was on with uh, with Hanson, Scotty threw out an interesting uh, kind of scenario. You know, as we found out about the draft that's uh, being pushed back to October, um, but will the, the teams do workouts? And and if you were a college player who's trying to make the pros in the draft and the Jazz say, hey, if you can make it out here, come out for a workout, would you do it? I think, uh, well, it depends. Uh, it varies from case to case, but... Yeah, I think if I were a young person who uh, was felt completely healthy and uh, could take every precaution, I would find a way to get there. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I would. All right. Well, big thanks to Josh Parcell for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. Coming up next, we have Sounds of Various Clips, also known as Drop of the Day. So make sure and stay tuned for that. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.